Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's Thursday, February 23rd. You never know what a jury is thinking, except maybe this one. We start here. A Georgia grand juror is shedding light and perhaps casting doubt on potential charges for Team Trump. It convolutes the entire process. Could this have just blown up in prosecutors' faces? President Biden said it was a new era at the border, so why does his plan sound so familiar? This plan is quite similar to some of the plans proposed by the Trump administration. What's old is new will break down which asylum seekers will be accepting. And when a diabetes drug ran low, it wasn't because there were suddenly more diabetics. Celebs, or people who are looking to lose five or 10 pounds using this medication for vanity reasons. What happens when your medication is suddenly popular for weight loss? From ABC News, this is Start Here. I'm Brad Milkey. When former President Donald Trump announced he was running again, some people asked why he was announcing so soon. Some went so far as to claim that it was because he thought it would help him avoid potential criminal charges. You're not immune from prosecution when you're a presidential candidate, but most officials are not exactly itching to bring charges against a potential president. And yet, investigations continue into Trump's quest to invalidate the 2020 election results. Some of these inquiries are federal, and some, like a grand jury investigation in Georgia, deal with just what was happening in that state. I just want to find... uh 11,780 votes. And unlike some grand juries that hand up indictments, this was a special grand jury whose job was to make recommendations about potential charges. The real choice was up to prosecutors, and therefore, you think these jurors might escape a lot of the scrutiny. Well, that was before one of the people on this grand jury began giving interviews. Let's go to John Santucci, the executive editorial producer with our investigative unit. John, I feel like jurors are always racing to get out of the courthouse and avoid any questions. What is this person going around saying? This is unprecedented, Brad. So first of all, this is not a normal juror. This was a grand jury. This is a grand jury that the nickname for a grand jury is a secret proceeding. You're not supposed to really even know somebody's on a grand jury because they're working and hearing evidence for prosecutors as they are trying to build a case to deliver a potential indictment. Now, in this case where this has been extremely confusing, Georgia has the ability to impanel a special grand jury that's really like a fact-finding mission, you know, learning what a case could be, hearing different evidence. And at the end of the day, rather than giving indictments, they make recommendations. We believe this happened. We believe you've got a potential crime here. Sort of a book report, if you will, is produced at the end of the day. What happened in this case is that the book report was sealed, again, secret proceeding, media, 
other organizations, other individuals that were interested were pushing a judge in Georgia to unseal it. We believe the report should be released now. There's enormous public interest in what they have said. He unsealed a little bit of the book report, the beginning, the end, and one little detail in the middle that, hey, we think certain people that came and spoke to us lied to us. But as far as we think these individuals broke the law, eh -eh, blacked out, sealed, no idea who that is. Up until this four person, the four woman of the grand jury, spoke out. I will be frustrated if nothing happens. This was too much, too much information, too much of my time, too much of everyone's time. Historic. Never seen anything like it for anybody that's covered courts. And what she said, Brad, it wasn't very detailed, but it certainly made this more fascinating. She spoke to NBC News and CNN, and in those series of interviews, she said at one point, there's no major plot twist coming. It's not going to be surprising. We recommended indictments for multiple people. I don't think that there are any, like, giant, that's not the way I expected this to go at all. I I don't think that's in store for anyone. She even uh, teased at one point, well, it's a lot of blacked out pages. So, yes, there's a lot of people we recommended for. Didn't get specific, didn't give names. In one interview, uh, she was pushed is the president, uh, former President Trump, one of those people. And she teases maybe, perhaps. There are certainly names that you would recognize. Yes. Very bizarre is really the only word that comes to mind when you when you see these interviews and read them. Um, But then, Brad, to see the feedback that followed on social media from many former prosecutors, many defense attorneys saying, what is she doing? This is causing a real problem for this case that the Georgia D.A. has been working on for now several months. Yeah. Is this kosher? Because it's one thing to come out after a verdict if you're on a regular jury and say, yeah, I found him guilty. Here's why. It's another thing to go out and be like, hey, this secret thing, you'll never even guess what we did in there. Is that, is that OK? No, Brad, it's really bad. It's <laughs> it's like me telling you um, something's going to happen, but I have no idea when. I have no idea if. I don't have no idea how, but it, we, it, it's going to happen. Like a lot of very compelling evidence, um, a lot of very interesting things and things that we didn't expect. It convolutes the entire process, all of the work, all of the money. I'm sure we don't know how much, but you got to imagine it's been a lot. Private investigators bringing people in. This was several months of work that they have been doing ever since the call was made by Donald Trump to Brad Raffensperger. This was almost immediate that the DA turned around and said, we're going to look into this. And here's where we are. But so then after all of that and all the uncertainty and all like the foreshadowing, do we have any more sense of like what kind of charges we could be talking about? Is it just perjury or are there other things here? There's some tea leaves we can read, right? So we know that many people of interest we publicly saw went in to meet with this grand jury. Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff, Lindsey Graham, the U.S. senator from South Carolina, a fierce ally of the former president. Even Rudy Giuliani was brought in. It's going to be really curious how quickly the D.A. moves, what they do, how does the Trump team respond? We are already hearing, Catherine Falders, my colleague and I, Brad, that in Trump world, they're already saying, well, this woman came out and spoke. She's not supposed to do that. Mm. How can we use that to our benefit? And apparently the judge did not exactly issue a gag order, but they did say don't talk about deliberation. So, like, you wonder if that kind of 
tiptoes up to the gray area there. What gets me, though, is this isn't the only investigation, right? This is why it's so confusing. There was the congressional investigation, January 6th committee. That wrapped. Georgia grand jury wraps. Now it's in the hands of, of these prosecutors. But there's also a federal special counsel that's looking into stuff, and that's completely different, right? Uh Oh, Brad, I don't think you have enough rows on your bingo sheet to keep up here, but let's try. There is a special counsel, yes, another one, that was brought in in D.C. This is Jack Smith. He was appointed by Merrick Garland, the attorney general. Jack Smith has two lanes under him. Again, more confusing. He's got a January 6th lane, and he's got a documents lane. Remember Mar-a-Lago, the raid, all of the fun we had down there? Right. On the January 6th lane— Jack Smith and his team have been looking into everything that happened between election night, November 2020, and the day of January 6th. So really, the efforts by Trump, Rudy, all the other uh, members of that team to overturn the election. Where this is now sped up like lightning rather quickly, more and more key figures are being called in, subpoenaed to meet with Smith and his team. We reported several weeks ago that Mike Pence, the former vice president, was subpoenaed. They're still trying to figure out if he's going to comply. His team is reviewing that. Overnight, ABC News has learned that Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, they are just the latest to be subpoenaed. And now you got to look at a little bit of precedent here, Brad. Those are two individuals that did cooperate with the House committee on January 6th. So now Congress is one thing. DOJ is a whole nother game. All of this going to play out and we are monitoring all of it. So don't worry, Brad, we got you back. Yeah, for real, because I need it. All right, but huge stakes here again. Like you were talking about a former president and a lot of his colleagues being potential. Like there is still the potential for indictments here. Uh, John Santucci, thank you. Thank you, Brad. Next up on Start Here, it's the new adventures of old immigration policy. We're back in a bit. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever wondered what you would do with an extra hour in your day? I think about this all the time. I'm like, I would be so productive. I'd exercise more, or I'd read a book, or I'd take a nap, like restore myself. We often find ourselves yearning for these extra hours, but the real question is, what would you do if you were making yourself a priority? Well, how about therapy? It can help you discover what's important so you can make the most of your time. If you've ever benefited from therapy, you know how transformative it can be. It's not just for those who have experienced major trauma. Therapy empowers you to learn positive coping skills, set boundaries, and become the best version of yourself. If you're considering starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and tailored to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. And here's the beauty of it. You can switch therapists if you're not finding the right fit. No additional charge. Take the first step. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash start here today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash start here. With daylight saving time upon us, we're looking forward to more daylight and longer days from March through November. And while setting our clocks forward gives us the illusion of more time, it doesn't necessarily help businesses find qualified candidates any sooner. Fear not, there is a solution. 
ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is your 24-7 hiring partner working tirelessly to connect you with the right candidate. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, it gets distributed to over 100 job sites, ensuring you reach a diverse pool of qualified individuals. Their smart technology scans thousands of resumes, matching you with people whose skills perfectly align with your job requirements. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free, ZipRecruiter.com slash start here. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash start here. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. There are lots of controversial areas of the Donald Trump presidency, but a constant point of contention were his views and his policies on immigration. At this very moment, large, well-organized caravans of migrants are marching toward our southern border. Some people call it an invasion. It's like an invasion. When President Biden took office, he vowed to undo a lot of President Trump's border policies. Well, now, with many of them either ended or slated to end, this White House has had to institute new ones. Yesterday, the Department of Homeland Security, along with the Justice Department, announced a new policy for asylum seekers, people coming to this country saying they need help from the U.S. And guess what? Biden's new policy looks strikingly like that of the man he replaced. ABC senior congressional correspondent Rachel Scott is here. Rachel, what is the plan here? So, Brad, all of this comes as Title 42. You may remember that public health emergency order that was used to turn away migrants seeking asylum. That Trump policy implemented at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, which allows the U.S. government to immediately expel most migrants as a public health risk. Well, that's set to end in May. And so now the administration is trying to figure out how to address these record number of migrants that we have been seeing across our southern border. In El Paso, migrant facilities now at or over capacity. In just the last week, nearly 7,000 people have been released pending court hearings, some sleeping on the street in makeshift tents. It's a true emergency for the community. It's a federal crisis that's happening within the in the border of El Paso. So as it stands now, migrants can apply for asylum regardless of how they arrived in the United States. But under this new rule proposed by the Biden administration, that would change. It would make it mandatory for migrants to apply for asylum in the countries that they travel through on the way to the United States. So they couldn't just come into the United States and then apply for asylum mm. once they get here. Uh, now, if they are if you not- go from, say, Honduras through Guatemala, through Mexico, up to the U.S., like, why not just stop and apply for asylum in Mexico? Exactly. And if they are denied, they can still try to schedule an appointment at a point of entry along the border, but it would have to be done using a mobile app. So, yeah, a lot of lawmakers are pointing out that this plan is quite similar to some of the plans proposed by the Trump administration that were struck down. Now, anyone who tells you that the only way to secure our border is to punish asylum seekers is lying. It's why we are appalled to see President Biden replicate President Trump's immigration strategy. But this does have one clear difference in that it will not apply to children. The president is facing some fierce pushback here from a lot of Democrats. They're urging the administration to reconsider these plans, saying that they should be focusing on expanding legal pathways, not necessarily restricting them. And immigration advocates are already vowing to sue the administration to stop this from going into place, which could happen as soon as this spring, Brad. 
Well, and not just immigration advocates being like, hey, like you promised you were going to have a more liberal policy. Also, you'd think conservatives are like, oh, wow, Joe Biden finally took over, realized that the asylum situation has gotten out of control. He's just he's finally catching up to reality. I mean, what is the Biden administration's response to making a policy that looks so similar? Well, look, the administration right now is just trying to get ahead of itself. They know that Title 42 is going to come to an end in May. They have already seen large crowds sort of camp out at the border waiting to cross. They know that we could see a crush of migrants uh, try to cross into the United States after we're already seeing these record numbers over the last several months. And so at this point, they're trying to figure out a way to curtail those numbers. And administration officials point the finger right back at Congress. They say lawmakers on both sides of the aisle can't come together to pass any sort of bipartisan immigration bill that would address the problem that we are seeing along our southern border. As we continue to do reporting on on just how perilous this journey is and people just looking for this journey to end somehow, somewhere. Uh, Rachel Scott, thanks so much. Thanks, Brad. I've talked before about what it's like to watch a drug you depend on undergo a shortage. I take ADHD medication, for example. When it's not available, like, I panic. It stinks. And yet, my deal feels like kind of small potatoes compared to the shortages for potentially life-threatening medical conditions in recent months. And it makes me wonder, what would it be like to be told your local pharmacy can't get its hands on your diabetes medication, then to flip on the TV or scroll through TikTok and see celebrities talking about that exact medication as a popular weight loss drug? What would be going through your head? Are these miracle drugs to you? We in the field of obesity medicine think of them more as game changers. Well, in a new episode of Impact by Nightline tonight on Hulu, ABC's Mona Kosar-Abdi has been taking a look at this exact phenomenon. She joins us now. Mona, how did this become a thing? Okay, so you've heard of Ozempic. We've seen the commercials. But now that drug is on headlines everywhere. Oh! 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 Everybody's talking about Ozempic, Wagovi, Munjaro, these these diabetes drugs that have been shown to contribute to weight loss as well. I am down a total of 122 pounds. I've had like a million patients ask me if they can get on Monjaro. I personally know influencers that are taking it. I'm sorry, how freaking lazy have we gotten? Over the years, medical professionals have noticed that there are a lot of benefits when it comes to weight loss. Some of these drugs are now being prescribed as weight loss medication And it's working. It's really changing people's lives. And what would you say to someone who says that you're taking this medication away from someone who really needs it? I was suffering too. I was really suffering. We spoke with Callie Svensson, who struggled with weight all her life. She says that at eight years old, she started taking slim fast shakes. And then that developed into a binge eating disorder for me. And, you know, breaking down because I was so strict all the time with my eating that it eventually developed into hiding food and binging when everybody, you know, everybody was asleep. She says after she had her third child, her weight really got out of control. I felt like I had no control over my life. That food was controlling my life and I had no control. There was no off button and it was just going to get worse. And why should I continue on? We also spoke with her doctor, uh, Barry Weinstein, and she says that it started showing up in her blood work. She, her BMI was over 30 and she was classified as clinically obese. Obesity is a disease. It's a chronic disease, just like high blood pressure, just like diabetes and just like high cholesterol. Her doctor started talking to her about Munjaro, which is one of these diabetes medications that has the benefits of weight loss. And she was down. She said that the summer before she was at her heaviest. I hired the nutritionist. 
Last year, I, um, you know, did the dietitian, the personal trainer, and still the weight wasn't coming off. She says that she's lived a very active lifestyle and that wasn't cutting it. She needed something else. And Munjara was it for her. What does the drug actually look like? It's like a little injection thing? It is. It's a weekly injection um, that she keeps in her refrigerator. You're just not thinking about food and you're not hungry a lot. The idea is that it curbs some of these cravings that you have. And so the way Callie described it was perfect. She says it quiets the voices in her head. She says before Munjaro, she was thinking about food all the time. That's all she would think about. And so with Munjaro, she says it quiets those voices. She's not thinking about food as much. And yes, I still get cravings. Yes, you know, I still love a good bite of a cookie or but I'm not eating 20 cookies. Well, so that's fantastic. That sounds great, especially, I would think, if the need for the drug is equal among everyone that uses it. But the reason I heard about this was because you were hearing about diabetes patients, for instance, complaining about shortages. And the perception, the question was, were these shortages being caused just by people glomming onto new ways to lose weight? That is mainly the issue. It's a supply and demand issue. Manufacturers of these drugs have said that they are going to increase the supply to keep up with the demand. Uh, But you have a lot of diabetes patients that are concerned. They rely on this drug and they say that they go to fill their prescription and there isn't any medication left. I I think a lot of these people don't understand that we we need the drug to keep our bodies from falling apart. We spoke with Shane Anthony, and he says that he was diagnosed with diabetes two years ago, and he is having trouble filling his prescription. When I started on the Ozempic about two months into it, I seen it, my daily glucose dropped dramatically and started making phone calls to the doctor and the pharmacy and had to go to something that was much, much older and isn't really isn't working as effectively. He is okay with people who need it getting the medication, but he's not okay with celebs or people who are looking to lose five or 10 pounds using this medication for vanity reasons. A lot of people online, on social media, say that they are working out and eating healthy to lose weight. Newsflash, they're taking Ozempic. The people that are just overweight, that are more than capable of actually just working out and watching what they eat. But right, here's the thing. There's a big misconception that people are getting prescribed, for example, Munjaro or Zempic to lose just a little bit of weight. That's not the case. The doctors that we spoke with say that the people that are being prescribed these medications have a BMI over 30, which makes them clinically obese. Again, obesity is a chronic disease, um, you know, This is not a vanity drug. We spoke with Dr. Veronica Johnson, who specializes in obesity medicine. Obesity is strictly, in some people's eyes, looked at as a lifestyle condition. And so, you know, those who are candidates for medications or use medications for weight loss are typically viewed as, like, lazy and taking the easy way out. For some reason, it seems that people are okay with people taking blood pressure medication. But when it comes to weight loss, things get tricky because of how our society views obese people. Oh, like then it becomes all of a sudden it's like, a va- oh, these people are taking it as a vanity thing. When obesity can, it can kill you in like the way that diabetes can kill you or a different disease can kill you. Exactly. And so the doctors that we spoke with said that this medication is able to give people their life back. For people who are taking this, I mean, are there drawbacks? Are there risks? Or is this just good news for everyone, essentially? 
There are side effects, and uh, Dr. Barry Weinstein explained some of them. Digestion is slowed down, but that's what's leading to that feeling of feeling full faster. And it's also what leads to constipation and some of the other side effects like acid reflux and nausea. But she says it's very minor and most patients are able to manage it. And if they're not, they just lower the dosage. And we're hearing out of pocket $1,200, $1,300. What does that mean to some of your patients? I mean, if you think about how much, I mean, that's like somebody's monthly paycheck, right? So- Some of the issues come down to access and affordability. We spoke with uh, Kelly Svensson about this, and she tells us that right now she has a coupon for Munjaro where she pays um, under $50. But once that coupon expires, she could pay up to $1,300 every month for the medication that she needs. We even talked about if I had to pay the $1,200 a month, what would we be cutting back on? Because it's that important. Well, and just this week, Eli Lilly, which makes Manjaro, said wholesalers now have their hands back on this drug, that there have been shortages. There might still be shortages at individual pharmacies while it's making its way back to the shelves. But they have managed to get an appropriate supply here. They and the makers of Ozempic say they don't promote or encourage off-label use of any of their medicines. But I guess I'm wondering, what if there's another shortage? Or like for these obese patients who have experienced shortages, like what happens if you go off this medication? What are the stakes for them? So one of the big concerns for people that use this medication is that if they're not able to use it, that they will start gaining the weight back. And doctors say that because it doesn't necessarily change your lifestyle, patients are able to gain the weight back once they stop taking the medication. If you look at obesity as a disease, I'm treating my disease. I don't plan to stop treating my disease. Remember when Callie was saying uh, the medication quieted those voices in her head that encouraged her to eat more and that she didn't have portion control? So... Her Dr. Barry Weinstein says that once she's off the medications, some of those voices will come back and she will go back to her normal eating habits. I plan to continue treating my disease. Um, and so, yeah, that's a life. It's a lifelong, if not long-term commitment. And doctors say that that is possible, just like high blood pressure medication that um, regulates people's blood pressure and they do take it for the rest of their lives. This could be a medication that's a lifetime medication. It's really interesting, Mona, because you're hearing about things like weight loss parties and things where people take these drugs together. It's sort of easy to take away from the experience of patients who have really seen their lives change and, you know, those diabetes patients who were seeing their lives change before these shortages, before this popularity ever began. Uh, Mona Kosar-Abdi, again, that piece on Impact by Nightline tonight on Hulu. Thanks a lot. Of course. Thank you. Okay, one more quick break. When we come back, here's a pretty quick way to explain inflation. We're now a nation with coffee subscriptions. One last thing is next. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. And one last thing. How many things do you subscribe to? I've got, let me see, a newspaper subscription, magazine, like three streaming subscriptions at this point. Oh, sometimes I get one of those box services. And if you think about it, it's a pretty great deal for these companies. Whether I use their product or not that month, they know exactly how much money they're about to get from me. Well, I've got news for you. Someone told restaurants about this concept. Order up. 
which might not seem to make sense at first. The whole point of a restaurant has always been going to the place. When you're there, you'll pay for your food. But then, of course, the pandemic happened. More and more customers were never stepping foot on the premises, and restaurants got used to a dependable revenue stream from deliveries. Now they want to keep that going. In recent months, P.F. Chang's has launched a service where, for 7 bucks a month, you get unlimited free delivery. Panera Bread is doing the same thing, but for 12 bucks a month, you can also get unlimited drinks whenever you stop by a storefront. This sort of in-person subscription has suddenly exploded. For $10 a month, you can get a taco from Taco Bell every day. Also, you get cheaper Subway footlongs if you pay a little. It's not just chains, either. As the pandemic shuttered many restaurants, some of the ones that got by did so by starting subscription box services. Fast forward 12 months, and some high-end restaurants are offering things like tasting clubs, cocktail memberships, and subscription-only menu items. And it feels great to support a local restaurant, but how many of them can you actually be counted on to support? There have always been things like loyalty programs. The difference here is you're being asked to show your loyalty with cash up front by prepaying for the food you might actually eat. Once you've purchased one subscription, it can feel wasteful to go get coffee from anywhere but Panera. You've heard of Golden Handcuffs? The place giving away lava cake with every visit might as well be offering molten handcuffs. Perhaps your loyalty has never tasted better or cost more. My loyalty program is at my local bodega where I'll stop in for a muffin and in exchange, I get an excuse to pet the bodega cat that hangs out there. Her name is Mishmish. Hey, if you're feeling extra loyal, no monthly fees here. Hit us up with a rating and review of Start Here wherever you listen. It really does help us out. I'm Brad Milkey. See you tomorrow.